ears. Well, they're quite strange when you start looking at them, aren't they? When you start focusing on them. You may have noticed that one of my ears sticks out more than the other one. It actually gives me a great advantage as a hunter because I've got greater depth perception of all the sounds around me. Despite that, I'm getting uh, lots of adverts on Facebook at the moment to buy uh, little tools that will remove wax from my ears. I don't know why I'm suddenly getting all these things. Maybe it's because I'm over 50. It has lots of distressing photographs of otherwise healthy people pulling vast amounts of wax out of their ears that look something like miniature Eiffel Towers. Now, why am I telling you all this stuff about ears? Well, because Jesus wants to grab hold of our ears. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's how Jesus ends this section. Mark records that once again, large crowds had gathered around Jesus, so many that Jesus had stationed himself in a boat. He was addressing the crowds on the shore. And the first thing he says to them is this, listen. It's actually quite hard to listen, to really listen, even when you don't have problems with earwax. We've all experienced being absorbed in something other than the person speaking to us and then them finally exclaiming, are you listening to me? In our distraction, we can even make occasional noises as if we are listening, but nothing is really going in. I'm sure you've had the experience, uh, perhaps, uh, wives with the husbands, parents with their children, uh, especially when you've asked them to do some household chore. It, it, it appears as if they have been listening, they've, they've nodded as they've, as they've walked away, but the absence of any follow-through action reveals they've not really been listening at all. Well, Jesus knew that this was the case uh, with the crowd before him. And so he starts his teaching with a command, listen, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And so are you listening? I mean, it's great that you're watching this today, but are you really listening to Jesus? It would be well worth you giving your full attention to Jesus today because he reveals to his disciples in this section the secret of the kingdom of God. The secret of the kingdom of God. That sounds significant, doesn't it? And Mark's recorded it here for us so we can know it. As someone attempting to be a preacher, uh, what's fascinating is how Jesus went about speaking to the crowds. He taught them many things in stories, in, in parables. And on this one unforgettable day for the disciples, Jesus sat down in a boat and told them stories about seed. Look at verse 3. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Of course, no tractors in those days. The farmer would carry a bag of seed and, and he would basically, with his hand, throw the seed out over the field as he walked around. And Jesus tells a story about different responses depending on the soils. Now, if you've been a Christian for many years, you You've probably forgotten how surprising it is that Jesus spoke with parables. The Jewish people had been waiting hundreds of years for God to fulfill his ancient promises to restore their kingdom. Nationalistic dreams had grown up with the talk of the kingdom of God and the promised Messiah. And so when Jesus came onto the scene proclaiming, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Those were explosive, powerful words and the crowds mobbed around him. When would it happen? 
How would it happen? How would the kingdom of God come about? What would Jesus do? Was he starting a new political party? Was he raising up an army? Was this going to be a, a people's revolt against the Roman occupiers? Well, what did Jesus do? He sat in a boat and told them stories about seed. Well, the disciples weren't too sure about this approach. If you have a look at verse 10, when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. What, what, what does this mean, Jesus? My dad dropped my O-level certificates to the letterbox this week, reminding me of my time in clinician high school in Cardiff. Uh, we used to be taught religious education, and uh, I was taught then that the parable was a simple story from everyday life that enabled people to understand Jesus. But there's actually much more going on there than that, isn't there? If you look at verse 11, he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside Everything is said in parables so that, and then Jesus quotes the words written in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus looked at this, at this large crowd and he didn't get carried away. I mean, we get so excited when we see large numbers turning up to church, but Jesus was less impressed by the large crowd. Big numbers of people doesn't necessarily mean spiritual revival, that everybody is actually on board. This was a crowd just like the one Isaiah was called to preach to around 800 years before. The Lord gave Isaiah a tough job. He was called to preach. But even as, as he was being commissioned, God told him that his preaching was going to harden the hearts of his hearers. His preaching was actually going to be met with rejection. His hearers would experience God's judgment. The nation would be devastated. And this, we are told, is the reason that Jesus spoke in parables, because there was such a mixed crowd. There was great potential for them to misunderstand this, this message about the kingdom of God. And so he wanted them to understand the true meaning of what he was saying, and he used parables as a kind of spiritual filter. Some people understood the deeper meaning. They were softened by it towards God. They got it. Some people didn't. They... Just heard stories about seeds and they were hardened. So what is the secret of, of the kingdom of God? What is the divine information on how the kingdom of God was going to come about? Well, the answer is found in the parables themselves and it's all to do with the seed. What is the vital instrument that's going to bring change to the world? The answer comes in verse 14. The farmer sows the word. Now, living in a time today when people completely ignore God, we need to understand that what will genuinely transform the world? What's going to change the world in the most significant way today? Is it science, technology, politics, medicine, the arts? Jesus says the answer is this. God's word. It is God's gospel word that grows the kingdom of God. It's God's word that will eventually transform the whole world. This is why we find him teaching the crowds in chapter 4. See, as Jesus preaches the good news of God. He's, he's a farmer sowing the seed that will establish the kingdom of God as it takes root in people's lives. And I think Christian churches in the UK need to rediscover this secret of the kingdom of God. Church attendance has dramatically dropped over the past 70 years in the UK. Since the 1950s, the Church of Scotland has lost 80% of its membership, 8-0. Similar decline has happened in the Church of England. 
and there are signs of desperation. Last year, the Anglican Cathedral of Rochester opened a putting green in the nave for the church to, to attract people. Norwich Cathedral constitute, uh, built a, a 60-foot helter-skelter in the front of the church, and the bishop uh, slid down it and gave a sermon one Sunday, which tells you how long the sermons are. And even in evangelical churches, people can forget what will grow a true congregation rather than a crowd. Last year, we were in, with friends in South Carolina, and the wife told me that she'd just come back from a women's church weekend, an evangelical church, where the whole weekend they'd not opened the Bible once. Helter-skelters, putting greens, light shows, kicking bands. Well, they may grow a crowd, but they're not going to grow a congregation. We need a recovery of this confidence that God's word does the work. And today and the next talk, uh, I'm, I'm going to look at reasons that we're tempted to doubt this. And the first is rejection. The parable of the sower teaches us that God's word does the work despite rejection. Jesus knew that he, as he preached to the crowd, there'd be these four different responses to his teaching like the different types of soil. And of course, it's just the same today as we share God's word. Four different responses, but they essentially boil down to two, rejection or acceptance. You see, the first three types of soil are all types of rejection. Some are like the hard soil of the path, uh, hardened against God's word. It can be intellectual pride. He doesn't seriously expect me to, to believe that, does he? It can be moral obstinacy. There's no way that I'm going to stop doing that. Or self-righteousness. Sinner? You call me a sinner? How dare you? Or maybe it's just bored indifference. Church, Christianity, man, it's just not my sin. It's, I'm not into organised religion. Though they came to hear Jesus, the words of Jesus just bounced off them like, like water off a duck's back. I pastored a church in Washington State in the United States for over seven years and one of my neighbours owned a bar and a pool club in downtown Spokane. Andrew looked like a Viking, actually kept an axe under his bed in case of any intruders. I wouldn't want to have intruded on his house. Scary looking guy. And our children were learning swimming together. And one day as we watched and talked together, I asked him if he'd be willing to read the Bible with me. And he sort of negatively chuckled away and finally said, OK. And I remember when we got to Mark chapter 4, we read about the hard soil and with a smile he said, that's me. And he looked really pleased with himself. He wasn't going to be taken in by all this kingdom of God stuff. And so I had to point out to him what was behind the cynical attitude. Verse 15. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The devil is very committed, friends, to, to discourage us from paying any attention to the Bible. He knows the power of it. He knows what it will do in our lives. And so he snatches it away. That's the hard soul. Others are like the rocky soil that only have a superficial response. An initial enthusiasm doesn't last. And sadly, I've seen this lots of times. People come to church for some weeks or months and they love it. It completely surprises them. It's not what they're expecting. People are so welcoming. There's a real buzz to hearing 800 people sing. And um, what they hear is, is new and relevant, significant. And people can make an emotional response. They can respond with great joy. But then... Trouble or persecution comes. And notice Jesus does not say if it comes, but when it comes. And at the point when people experience opposition and hardship because they're taking Jesus seriously, then their interest seems to wither and die because they have no root. It was only a shallow response. The final response of rejection turns out to be those who are distracted. 
seeds sown on thorny soil. Pastorally, I think this is the most difficult to deal with. There's the same enthusiastic start, but unlike the superficial um, response, they don't seem to disappear. They maintain some kind of identity coming to church as a Christian or something like that. But as time goes on, Christ just seems to become less and less significant in their lives because there's so many distractions in life. The distractions of youth, sports, sexual attraction, education goals, midlife, financial stress, family responsibilities, career ambition, old age, a preoccupation with health, the garden or visiting the grandchildren. And all the way through life, uh, we now have the distraction of smartphones, endless notifications, social media to keep checking, never-ending box sets from online streaming, endless distractions. I wonder actually whether we should stop reading the Bible on our smartphones and, and just go back to physical Bibles because they don't get notifications popping up uh, for Instagram or Twitter or news feeds during church to distract us. Whatever stage of life, so many distractions. Look at verse 18. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things come in and choke it and make it unfruitful. Jesus is warning us that there are lots of forces at work that endanger God's word being effective in our lives, and we are in peril if we forget this. The devil wants to pluck it away from us. The stresses of life can crowd it out. Our own desires for more wealth or pleasure or acclaim can choke its impact. And so we must not be naive then. Merely having ears that listen to online services does not mean that we're really understanding or genuinely repenting. Turning up to the youth ministry or the young adults or international fellowship or Sunday services, well, that's good, but it doesn't mean that we've actually been forgiven and belong to the kingdom of God if we're only listening superficially. Large crowds came to hear Jesus, but Jesus describes them as being on the outside. How we listen to Jesus shows whether we're on the inside with him in his kingdom or outside of it. Ultimately, you see, all three responses of the soils are rejection. And that's really important for preachers to remember, and Sunday school teachers, and youth pastors. In fact, for all of us who want to share something about Jesus with our friends and our family and our work colleagues, we shouldn't be shocked or surprised or disheartened when our attempts to share God's word with others is met with rejection. Jesus, the best preacher there has ever been, with the best parables and stories and the ability to do great miracles, experienced hard-hearted rejection by some who listened. Now that could be very depressing. It could be very off-putting. I think, well, well, why bother spreading the word when there's going to be so much rejection? But the wonderful truth of this parable is this. Despite rejection, God's word will produce a bumper harvest. Despite rejection, the word of God is so powerful that a huge harvest will be the result. This, that is what verse 20 says, isn't it? Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Wow. Any farmer would be pleased with such a yield. I mean, that's a tremendous encouragement, isn't it? Have you ever taken a good hard look at a seed? It seems so small and dry and apparently lifeless. Scatter sun seeds, uh, scatter sunflower seeds over soil. Lots of seeds don't do much. 
Some of the birds take them away, but when one takes in the soil, it can grow eight foot high and carry over 2,000 seeds. The living and enduring word of God will cause us to be born again. That's what the disciple Peter would later write to Christians scattered by persecution. In a world where people are, are like grass and their glory is the flowers of the field, here today and gone tomorrow, and don't we know that in a time of coronavirus, we offer the only hope, which is this, that the word of the Lord stands forever. God's word does the work despite rejection. And so as Christians, we must not be put off by it, but keep scattering God's word all over the place. We don't have to be preachers to do that. We heard in the video earlier in the service that we can be all be Bible sharers. The word one-to-one -one is a great resource. I've used it with many people. The only ability that you need is to be able to read and have the courage to ask someone whether they take a look at it with you. And it's amazing how powerful the Bible is when people will take time to stop and read it and really think about it. When we heard about its impact on Lewis, uh, God's word discovered in a French Catholic prayer book in Southeast Asia can turn an atheist into a pastor. We must not lose heart when we see rejection. Even hardened soil can become good soil by God's grace. And so we need to keep speaking God's word into people's lives. My friends, at the end of time, God's going to gather in his harvest. His kingdom's going to come fully. Will you be part of that harvest? Because you did listen to Jesus. Because you heard the word and accepted it. Because you put down deep roots in your Christian lives. Because you genuinely put your trust in Jesus and became a lifelong learner of him. Because you did not fall away when hard times came. Because you did not allow worries and wealth and other desires to distract you. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear.